What dirt has Tim Burton got on Johnny Depp? Answer me this, answer me this Mr. Memory, what are the 39 steps? Answer me this, answer me this Helen and Ollie, answer me this We've had an email from a man who did the degree that Ollie Mann was born to do, musical theatre. Oh, okay. thought it was Disneyland studies. Well, that is a postdoc. <laughs> the email is from Chris from Chiswick, BA brackets, news fit. Oh, this is about the first West End musical from last week. I said it was Gilbert and Sullivan. It is no coincidence indeed that the musical theatre buff has been in touch about musical theatre. I like this. We're going to slowly make Answer Me This a forum about musical theatre. Next no, week. No! Oh, my week, dead body! Listeners, is it true that Love Never Dies in Australia wasn't shit? C- can you name more than one song from Blood Brothers? <laughs> Chris from Chiswick says... The Beggar's Opera by John Gay is most often cited as the first musical. That is a very good point, because that's from about 100 years before Gilbert and Sullivan, isn't it? It was first performed at the Lincoln's Infields Theatre in 1728, more than a century before Gilbert and Sullivan were born. (laughs) Yeah, but hold on. The question was, what was the first musical in West End Theatre? I'm afraid I'm going to have to take issue with you here, Chris, because Lincoln's Infields Theatre... It's That's, too far uh, east, isn't it? In any case, not the West End. Now, when we mentioned pygmy toilets in last week's episode, I didn't think we'd get any feedback on it. No, it's just not really a topic that has taken hold with uh, today's people. Um, and yet, here some feedback is. You mentioned last week, Helen, that you'd been to the Sunbury-on-Thames Antique Fair and spotted a miniature toilet. What of it? Uh, Peter has been in touch to say... Miniature porcelain toilets were made by companies like Twyford's and Armitage Shanks for their travelling salesmen to show customers new styles and colours. Wow! That is a good fact, isn't it? Now I've got an image of a travelling salesman opening his coat and there being eight toilet pans dangling (laughs) inside. It's easier just to email somebody a PDF brochure. I think that's what they do, yeah. I know that that wasn't always an option, but he could have done some drawings with watercolours <laughs> and saved himself a lot of weight. And also breakage, presumably. They're vulnerable porcelain toilet bowls. That is a great fact. Yes. That if I had a fact bell, I would ding it now, loudly. <laughs> Ollie Mann's learnt something. <laughs> but I, I, One of his two learnings a year. It's a, yeah, it's a bit late to innovate that kind of feature in this format, 214 episodes in. But ding, ding, the fact bell has rung. Hello, this is Kate from Newcastle. Um... So my question, Helen and Ollie, is this. Why are screens always marketed in a very sexual way? What is it about watching a young, beautiful woman get a chop around an ice cream in a very sexual way is meant to make me hungry to buy an ice cream? Shall we assume that Kate lives in a convent in Newcastle <laughs> where she's never really realised that uh, women putting phallic-shaped things in their mouths and then closing their eyes with an ecstatic look is somehow sexual? <laughs> question mark? See, the question was, like, well, how is it meant to make her buy ice creams? Not how is it meant um. to make every heterosexual man in the country buy ice creams? And the answer is, I guess it's not. Because women will buy ice cream anyway, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, women respond, even though they may choose female models that are attractive to heterosexual men. Uh, nonetheless... Uh, women are looking at those models and imagining themselves in those situations. It's if, like when they sell makeup; they don't put it on uggos. Exactly. And women, women still buy it. Ex- it's aspirational. If they showed, you know, a very overweight woman eating a massive tub of ice cream to console herself because she's just been dumped by a boyfriend, that may be an image of ice cream eating, but it's probably unlikely to sell. Also, Kate needs to take into account that they use 
sex to sell pretty much pretty anything. much everything anything yeah. although uh, to be fair i mean back in the 50s when they launched mini milk or whatever <laughs> my guess is the lion's maid probably weren't advertising ice cream in this sex way i think really the uh, com- over a car bonnet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was perceived as a children's product of course i think really all of this comes back to huggen does doesn't it in oh. the 80s their campaign couples eating ice cream together in a way that suggested it was mere foreplay for a night of creamy indulgence. What a marketing wheeze. Um, Although the flake adverts as well, that was a woman on her own sticking something phallic into her mouth. Correct. With the flake, that was alone time. Uh, Whereas with Hug and Does, it was fairly explicit that it was being used as part of an evening of lovemaking. Yeah, yeah, but it's odd that it's transmitted to ice lollies because those have wooden sticks in, (laughs) which... Which would create splinters. They have a very kind of smear tests vibe yes well now here's an email from chris aged 23 and a half in durham hello uh, chris and uh, this email sounds a lot like the plot of a woody allen film he Mm -hmm. says uh, about a month ago i split up with my american girlfriend slash fiance of two and a half years I am sorry to hear that, Chris. She met a man while out with friends. Oh, dear. Club danced. What's that? Bump and grind. And then tried to lie about it all as supposedly not to hurt my feelings. Perfect. (laughs) Sounds great. She's now dating this guy after leaving me in limbo for a week. Was that the part of the club dancing that he was indulging in? (laughs) Um, But has maintained she wants us to be friends. Oh, of course, because that makes her feel less guilty. But first, we needed space so that we could become individuals again. Well, that is true, especially at your tender ages. Well, ever uh, individuals, while she's letting this friend dip his wick in, that's not separate. That She's got another partner already. Yeah, maybe she's found that she's simply not complete alone. That's, uh, that's ridiculous. You can't say, right, we need time apart, we need to be separate, we need to get over it. Meanwhile, I'm boffing this guy that I was with, by the way, when I was with you. Unfortunately, I think this is all too common scenario, Ollie. People uh, are awful. If they are, yeah, there's nothing I can be do Be a lone it. wolf, Chris. You're safe that way. <laughs> um, she's been caught... Calling me daily. Oh, God. Is his name daily? No. That's Chris. Sorry. To tell me her inane drivel about life. Oh, one of the fringe benefits of breaking up with her is to get away from that. And his ridiculous views on the world, as well as their dates and how wonderful the coitus is. Well, it sounds like you shouldn't be sorry that you are no longer with this piece of work. Block on and follow in life, I mean. So with all that in mind, Helen, answer me this. Can you ever be friends with an ex? Yes, but not this one. And why (laughs) the frigging fudge muffins is she ringing me on a daily basis when she was the one who asked for space? Because she is a total dick. Yeah, she's a cock. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think people can be friends with their exes, but in all the couples that I know where they've managed to have a really good uh, friendship after they've broken up, they had several months or even a year or more of not really communicating. And that way they do get to be individuals. And also they manage to get over it. So it's not like this constantly reopened wound whenever they see each other. But this woman is being, at very least, insensitive, (laughs) talking to you about her coitus with someone else. Well, she wants it both ways, doesn't she? That's it. That's it. Maybe she's thinking, this guy's not that good a bet. And I know Chris, it's very comfortable being with him. So let's keep that option open. Really? Do you think that's what's going on? Just stop answering her calls. You don't want to hear about her coitus, do you, Chris? So stop picking up the phone the point is though chris it doesn't sound like you should get back together with her and it doesn't sound like she's a very good friend to you at the moment so just stop speaking to her Mm. and hang out with some other people that are good for you do you know what though this girl is going to flip out when chris uh, starts seeing someone else now that's interesting even though she'd have no fucking right to do that No, she doesn't but even though she's been the the first to uh to 
go off and uh, grind upon somebody else. And that's when you have to be strong, Chris. Kick her to the curb. Or... Uh, go on holiday to Hawaii at the same time she is with her new boyfriend and have a nice fun sex fast. Yeah, but make sure that Mila Kunis is there. That is a prerequisite. <laughs> Mila Kunis is far too hot to have been working behind that reception, I thought. Look, I don't know how the job market is in Hawaii, yeah, even but it for was, hotties. It was a recession. It, it was unconvincing. Fingers crossed there is Mila Kunis in Chris's future. <laughs> However, just in case she's not passing by Durham mm. or anywhere else in the northeast of England yeah. at a time when it's convenient for Chris to see her, um, if Forgetting Sarah Marshall was set in Durham, yeah, where would they go on holiday? Would it would have to be the Isle of Man? Newcastle. Yeah. The Isle of Man is on the other side of the country. Is it? Yeah, they go to uh, Lindisfarne, mm. or, or mm. maybe they just hang out in Durham Cathedral. And Mila Kunis would be the person who just makes sure that no one vandalizes the tomb of Bede. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very different film, wouldn't it? We could Forgetting Thomas Bede. If you've got a question. In the sound man, Holly and Helen. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Here's a question from Sam who says, My possible to be girlfriend has a moustache. Wow. Are you impressed? <laughs> Very. She is great, but I find it desperately off-putting. You don't say. I'm sure I'm a terrible person for this. I myself have upper lip hair when I don't shave. Yeah, that's different. That's because you're a man. But Ollie, answer me this. What should I do? I could catch her unawares in an abfab sort of way and wax it off. Or would it be better just to get over myself? This is a great question because Sam's not saying here, oh, there's this girl who's got a moustache. What a munter. I couldn't bear mm. to look at her. He's saying my possible to-be girlfriend. In other words, someone that he clearly likes and has feelings for. Already. Yeah. Moustache notwithstanding. Exactly. Almost despite the moustache, has a moustache. In fact, maybe he's just worried not about his own desire for her through the moustache, but what other people will yeah. think. And he really wants to protect her from a very conventional world. Mm. And them going, well, oh, girl's got a moustache. Yeah. Maybe he thinks, well, the moustache might not be so important to her that she couldn't sacrifice it just to lead an easier life. I, I actually literally cannot think of a single way that you can bring up this subject. I just don't see how it's possible. It's very difficult. Mm. I mean, I've been in a relationship for eight years. If This my- is not the way to tell her, whatever you're about to say. <laughs> if, on occasion, my girlfriend, in profile, sitting in front of a brightly lit window, a, a <laughs> tiny sunbeam light hits a fraction of blonde tuft coming out of the oh, chin. tuft? You Even mean down? Just, exactly. Nothing, a nothing. No. If I had a girlfriend who actually had a proper fully-fledged moustache... A full Jason Lee moustache. I don't think even after eight years I could say it. Never mind, Sam, in your position of prospective possible potential girlfriend-to-be. I don't think it's possible. I think it's the last taboo. <laughs> I mean, when, when I see friends who've got a little bit of a moustache, I think maybe they've actually chosen to keep it. Mm. Maybe it's not for me to go, you shouldn't have that. Maybe they're just like, yeah, I'm fine think, with this. I think functional women in their 30s probably realise if they have a bit of a moustache. I don't know. I don't like looking at my face too closely in the mirror. I'm looking now. Let me tell you now. Oh. I'm going to tell you now because it's a public service. I don't think you do. In some lights, I might. Okay, look, I just don't, don't want to know. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Maybe uh, he should actually embrace it. Maybe he should put up pictures of Patty Smith all over the place <laughs> and uh, find her desirable. And she's an icon of the female moustache yeah. wearing. She had a lot of photos taken of her and she was married to a photographer, so she must have known it was there. No, but this is interesting because you're sort of saying, in a way, 
maybe it would be better maybe it's his problem that he finds it unattractive maybe he should stop being so uh misogynistic about this stop being so square man yeah Get maybe with just it. accept that women you know yeah women have facial hair to deal with it but actually if it's the other way around it's perfectly acceptable for a woman to say to him like my girlfriend tells me all the time that she finds my shoulder hair hideous oh um, but it's like be- beautiful little cherub's wings <laughs> <laughs> now to be fair uh, i suppose our relationship is at the stage where i'm quite happy to ignore that advice <laughs> and even though she finds it unattractive just think well she's got to deal with it but the thing is it would be a, it would be not inappropriate for her to broadcast details about my shoulder hair to her friends whereas it would be for me to do the same if she had shoulder hair so that, that i think there's a double standard there yeah it's okay for men to be hairy in wrong places but for ladies not so what i'm saying is i bet there aren't that many men out there who do like girls with mustaches well maybe there are a lot of men who don't know that they like girls with mustaches because they so rarely see women with mustaches because the world terrorizes women into removing their facial hair well actually there, there was a girl that i went out with at university on one day she had a mustache and mm. she had a really pretty face yeah. and i went on a date with her and it didn't go any further but one of the reasons was i just was she getting bits of egg caught in it like martin sometimes does in his mustache i just thought it was symptomatic of maybe someone who's not taking care of themselves but then taking care what if she has spent all of her time nourishing her inner aspect yes because she's not vain well why does ob- taking care of oneself have well, to clearly, be exterior she saw the potential in young ollie man she saw that i was a desirable person to be with so clearly she had a lot going on under she there she didn't judge on looks alone <laughs> that's right unfortunately ollie man did yeah didn't want to be with the girl with the mustache not really i wonder what kim kardashian would look like had she not gone under extensive like hairline retraction and demonobrowing and others because she used to be quite a lot hairy she's oh, had like, kind that. of sideburns her forehead used to be a lot lower a uh, noel gallagher type i'd imagine that she has quite the uh stupendous moustache if only she would let herself okay but i reckon what happened with her is she probably saw herself on camera and then decided for herself to do something about yeah, it when she saw herself in her sex tape okay. sucking all those cocks <laughs> and she thought the angle's fine but i just don't like the hair actually i think we may be stumbling upon a solution here if for Sam. kim kardashian grew her moustache back then lots of teenagers around the world would copy i think that would be harder to get her to do that mm. but i think well, what, if you paid her enough money she will do literally anything but i think what sam might be able to do is take a photograph of him with his girlfriend mm. bring it up on a computer screen in extreme close-up for some other reason like so you could be demonstrating a photo editing package right just say, look what my computer can do. I can give no, you a funny no, face. Da, no. da, da. And then you're looking no. at the moustache on the screen. Oh, no. And no. then she can say, oh, God, I've got a moustache because it'll be right no. in front of her. She can't deny it then. No, this will kill the romance if she's his possible-to-be girlfriend. You want to stay away from anything as unsanitary as pointing out bodily flaws as if you're in a plastic surgery office. But, and no, they're going, yes, pointing- we could sp- if you spend 12 <laughs> no. grand, we could really improve this thing that you didn't realise no, was a problem. but he's not pointing it out. He's creating a situation where she's pointing... He could be being self-critical about himself, getting her to join in. I mean, I'm just saying... I mean, I, I've said right from the outset this is almost impossible. I'm just searching for solutions. What if he sent an anonymous email and then actually comforted her when she got upset, but then it would bring about the conversation where he could say, well, obviously, I find you very attractive despite your slight hardly noticeable facial hair no. but by discussing wow. it no if you tell someone else about your flaw that is essentially like providing a massive magnifying glass onto one of the things you feel bad about yourself so don't do that here's an idea though here's an idea get her uh, an appointment at a beauty salon for a facial and then often the beautician wanting to shill other products will say i can give you a, an, an upper lip wax as well nice that's not a bad idea and actually. he's not in the room yes she gets a treat he seems like a very caring yes feminine sensitive guy that's very good bit mm. expensive but yeah but a facial is not the mo- i mean 30 quid 
Yep. Then 30 quid and you never what? have to look at her moustache again. 10 quid for waxing. Well, you'd have to look at it about every six weeks She'd with pay the waxing, wouldn't she? She's not going to put the extra on his bill. She, this is perfect because she's going to keep it between her and the therapist. I'm a genius. <laughs> That's very good. Although well done. we are still just uh, feeding into a problem the world has created with its Absolutely. antipathy towards natural f- feminine fur. We're part of the problem. We're not part of the solution. Sure. In this time of purse strings tightening... Internet's a smorgasbord of fabulous free things Like showbiz news No need for magazines stalking your old school friends Videos of fat kids falling over Stealing films and music Sharing photos of your nan Filing your tax return But by far my favourite free thing to type Is answer me this into Skype Here's a question from Mike from Liverpool, but in Glasgow. Good. Keep us up to date with your movements, Mike. It's important to know where you are at all times. We can supply a sat-nav if necessary. Suspect is moving south. He's just gone to the kitchen. <laughs> uh, a cup of tea. Mike says, answer me this. I've heard that superglue was invented during the Vietnam War to quickly patch up soldiers on the field. This, however, was from the film Dog Soldiers, <laughs> and I'm understandably a little dubious. So is this true? Dubious? About Dog Soldiers, it's... the greatest war documentary of all time? <laughs> it's, it's surprising the number of werewolves they employed in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense, doesn't it, in the conflict that you'd have the time to uh, set up a lab and invent superglue. Oh, come, come, because a lot of very, very important inventions were made during wartime because technology had to progress at an well, extremely rapid pace. It's unlikely to actually be made in the field, though, is it, Ellen? I mean, you actually... didn't say there was someone stirring a cauldron of glue just outside <laughs> Hanoi. They didn't have a meth lab on the uh, Viet Cong Road. Well, actually, it does, in fact, have a military background. Yes, I'm not surprised. But it was created during peacetime. Uh-huh. Um, by, the, by the Kodak company. Really? They mm. had their fingers in so many pies. They did. Once they realised that they couldn't use it how they wanted, they ended up selling it to Loctite, so that's why it was never released under Kodak's name. So what did they want to use it for? They were trying to develop uh, plastic for gun sites. Oh, why? Because they were doing lens Yeah, technology. lenses for guns. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so they were trying to develop it for that, and along the way developed a, a sort of plastic that I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce because obviously it's got a horrible chemical name that is I could never get my lips cy- around. Cyanoacrylate. Oh, it is actually. Oh, Shit, my was God. that on the top of your head? Yeah. yeah. It is that, yeah. And they sold that to Wrigley's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they invented that and then realised that its uh, best use was in fact not for making gun sights but for making superglue. So they invented superglue. And it was used in Vietnam separately, quite separately, like 50 years later, mm. to close wounds. It actually was used for that. Yeah, very um, sensible. Um, but obviously that was a kind of unofficial... Yeah, it was a case that a lot of soldiers in Vietnam had it in their own possession and used it as an emergency tactic. It wasn't recommended by doctors, but apparently it is reasonable as a seal on wounds if you're out in the field. Well, here's a question from Paul who says, I'm 43, but when I was a nipper, I distinctly remember walking through Downing Street to get into St. James's Park. Ollie, answer me this. Does this mean that the big, ugly gates at each end of the street are blocking a public right of way and are therefore illegal? Yeah, it is a public right of way. Oh, really? Yeah. But they're not going to let you through those gates. Well, guess what? If you're the Prime Minister, you can kind of get an exemption on that kind of law. I know, but what if you're just a, a pleb with a bomb strapped to your front, etc.? Well, yes. Just wanting to get to St James's Park. <laughs> <laughs> what if? And you don't want to go the long way round. In the 1920s, they were first erected, in fact, so long before Paul was even thought of. Right, um, maybe he slipped through the bars as a tiny slim nipper. <laughs> Originally for the unveiling of the Cenotaph, apparently, and it was just a crowd control measure. Uh, 
just because they thought, you know, lots of people are going to want to come and see that. The war was quite a big deal. Let's make sure that there's not a crush. That would be not an appropriate way to remember what happened. Very sad. Um, so they put up the gates um, and then they took them down. And then the whole situation in Ireland got a little bit tetchy. Um, so they put them up permanently. But then uh, Ireland got independence and they took them down again. Right. But then in the 70s, it all got very bomby. So they put them up again. Right. And then they've made them even stronger like every 10 years since. So in the 80s and then in the 90s, they've now made them virtually unmovable. They made it adamantium then. In any case, this whole public right of way issue, uh, it's negated by the fact there is apparently at the same time the use of common law power to prevent breach of the peace. Uh, and that uh, nullifies the issue about the public right of way. But technically, yes, you're right, it is a public right of way. Why just make it not a public right of way, saying it effectively is not one? Uh, Here's a question from Rob in Plymouth, uh, who says, At my uni flat, I left a half-eaten tin of peaches in the fridge for the day later. Half-eaten tin of peaches for a day's food. That's uh, that's real student budget there. Yeah, look, they're having to pay a lot in tuition fees that's now. Right, yeah. mm. Can't just guzzle peaches day in, day out like mm, you did in 2001. <laughs> I didn't get out of bed unless I had five tins of peaches. Uh, I left the... <laughs> Jesus, the ladder. <laughs> I left the top covered for hygiene reasons. Good, good, good to know. Yes, good, good general protocol. Uh, my health and safety certificate from 1998 teaches me that. And I put it on a higher shelf in the fridge than the meat shelf. Yes, that's good as well, yes. isn't it? Yes, yes. And colder at the bottom, I believe. I don't know. Our fridge is absolutely freezing every place. I think I seem to remember that the uncooked meat should go at the bottom because it's colder. That's then why does the salad go at the bottom? It I freezes know. there. Um, my flatmate told me, Rob continued, that I shouldn't do this as it's apparently a health risk. I don't want any of that tin peach juice on my raw meat. Considering she's a photographer who microwaves sponge cake, <laughs> I doubted her sources. <laughs> What's her being a photographer... <laughs> got to do with it however my other flatmates warned me of this too but none could give me an answer as to why so helen answer me this can leaving an opened tin in the fridge really be bad for my health there is quite a strong lobby of people who say yes this is very dangerous the same as a dented tin never buy a dented tin now i've been told that and i i follow that advice well it is said that uh, the tin coating inside the tin if uh, allowed to oxidise, as when the tin is opened, yes. or if breached by a dent, yeah. it starts leaking into the food, and the organic tin bonds are the most dangerous forms of tin for humans. But uh, others are saying, don't be silly, the amount of time that it would take for the tin to get into your food in toxic quantities be far longer than it took for your food to go off. Yeah, that sounds like absolute nonsense to me. If there was any danger at all of tin food having a toxic risk... They probably wouldn't keep it in tin. It wouldn't be as enormously ubiquitous as it is well, across also, the whole world. Yeah, because also, uh, when you buy those Turkish tinned meze things, which mm. I have a lot in my house because I... There's I, no shame in it. Yeah, that's right. Yum, yum, yum. There is no shame, but it's also... <laughs> stuff vine leaves. I'm aware mm. that as I'm saying this, that there will be people listening who have tin soups, and I'm talking about tin stuffed vine leaves, and I think that makes me sound like a, mm. a posh but idiot with no real touch You're eating old leaves. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, sometimes they have little plastic lids on the bottom, yeah. and then when it's been open, you put the plastic lid on top. And you keep it It's in bloody the encouraging tin. you. It's basically saying, keep me in the fridge, because that's the best thing to do with this tin. Don't put it into a bowl. Don't decant me. That would be absurd. Yes, what are you doing? Why are you dirtying a bowl? Exactly. The tin's already spent so surely the good surely. people of turkey and their luxury foods would not be telling you to do that if there was any danger of contamination there or quite a lot of tins have a kind of plastic lining oh so which, you think those are different types of tins to the del monte well tins. my father uh, would say that the plastic is also leaching into your food and will kill you somehow but also other people say there is no tin in tins because it's a very expensive substance yeah so the whole worry is unfounded so some very powerful lobbies going on uh i personally am lazy so i would just 
come down on the side of not bothering to decant. I still think that's nonsense. Isn't there a coating on the inside of the tin that makes it essentially unreactive? You know, I think we can have a consensus here and say, Rob, play it safe, don't keep it in the fridge for a week. But if you're talking like you are about eating it within basically 24 hours... How long can you resist the open peaches? Exactly. Uh, I reckon you're going to be fine with that, aren't you? We'd all say that. Although I think this is a good myth not to deflate because often the problem with a communal fridge is that other people eat your food and if they're too afraid of the tin poisoning, then... Your quid's in. Here's a question from Sally, who says, In January, I broke my leg whilst roller skating. My leg bent the wrong way, and one person who was watching threw up in their mouth a little bit. So, Ollie, answer me this. Have you ever made anyone puke by accident or deliberately? Uh, my friend Tom, uh, at mm-hmm. primary school, uh, used to puke every time someone sang the diarrhoea song. <laughs> That's fair enough, it's disgusting. It is disgusting, but it's also hilarious. Which, which diarrhea song? Oh, come on, when you're climbing up a tree and it's trickling down your knee, diarrhea, <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> when you're on the seat for hours and it doesn't smell like flowers, diarrhea. No, 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 that no, didn't no, make no. it we to the Midlands. We had a different one. I bet the Midlands one was really vicious, wasn't it? When your mum's about to die, <laughs> you're all going to cry. <laughs> when they've shut down the local industry. <laughs> Um, but in any case, uh, it, he used to have this instant reaction of puking up in his own mouth over lunch. That was very Ooh. funny. Um, so pretty much, I'd say twi- as much as twice a week, someone would say, and all they'd have to do is go, when you're climbing up a tree, and he'd just like have to run away. So they didn't even have to say the words. No. It could be when you're climbing up a tree and you find a lovely bird's nest <laughs> and you don't disturb it because the eggs haven't hatched and he'd be off puking yeah. into the mash. It's too delicate, couldn't handle it. The only place the restraining order doesn't stop me following Helen and Ollie is at twitter.com slash Helen and Ollie. Helen's doing a wee. Ollie's on Sky News. Martin's gone to work. Helen's been left unattended. Ollie's cat shot a blue thing. Ollie loves his cat. I'm jealous of Ollie's cat. Here's a question from Kevin, who says, I am a 33-year-old man, happily married, with two kids. Really? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Just trying to inject some drama no, into now, the proceedings. Now I'm starting to doubt You're like a reality TV producer. <laughs> However, recently I've started to think about some of the things in life that I haven't experienced. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Divorce, infanticide. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Coming from a fairly small town... I feel like I missed out on quite a lot when I was a teenager and I'm tempted to start trying new things. Right, okay. I'll tell you right now, if you give yourself a dead arm and then wank with it, it doesn't feel like someone else is tossing you off. What about if you paint your nails? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One key experience that I've never had, says Kevin, is using cannabis. Okay. I've been with people who have smoked it but never had any myself. I did not inhale. (laughs) So, Ollie, answer me this. Should I try and buy some? I wouldn't even know where to get any. To try when my wife and kids are away on a weekend with her parents. This is such a sweet question. It is, isn't it? Should I try? Should I wait until my wife and children are away? <laughs> um, I like the idea that his wife will come back from weekend with her parents. They'll be grateful dead, like pouring out of the house. <laughs> He'll have replaced all the curtains with tie-dye bedspreads. He's asking whether he should go and buy some. I think that's unnecessary, Kevin. Think about the wasters that you went to school with, one of them that you could still dial up on Facebook. That's the guy who can get the drugs for you. Don't buy them yourself. Don't put yourself into a category where you could get in more trouble than for possession. Just get your friend to buy it. And don't wait for your wife to go away. Include her in it. Have some fun together. Maybe she's had it before and she can roll the joints for you. Perfect plan. Wait till your kids are a bit older, say 15, Mm. and then get them to supply you. (laughs) 
I know this isn't responsible podcasting, right? I know there's people who are going to listen to this and say, actually, there are all sorts of side effects that come from cannabis. You know, if you've got psychiatric problems, it's going to trigger them off, the long-term effects, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't drug drive. I know all that, right? But the spirit of the question is, should he try cannabis or not? And I'm afraid I'm going to say yes. Yes, you should. I really like it. I, and I've done it like three times in my life. So this isn't like, Whoa there. I'm not saying I'm super stoner Ollie man, but actually it is something that I'm glad I've done. And I, I did say to my friend the other day who is a stoner and wanted to watch Prometheus while stoned <laughs> when it comes out, <laughs> that we should prepare for that by me going over to his flat and watching Alien while stoned because I've only seen it when not stoned and thought it was a bit rubbish. That sounds fucking brilliant. Can yeah. I come? <laughs> By all means. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd be hypocritical is what I'm saying if I advise anything else because I'm not sure I've got stoned enough in my life, in my young life. I don't want to be a stone. I don't want to be addicted, but I would want to do it a bit more than I have. Listen, drughead. <laughs> I'm going to post the counter argument here, which is that I did not try it in my teens because I wasn't interested. And it appears that I've not developed because I remain uninterested. Now, maybe I'm saving the drugs till when I'm really old mm. or when I have an incurable illness. And I think, all right, what is heroin like? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's uh, another little drug question to end the show it's from tom in talkie who says ollie answer me this are you aware that there is a legal high called amt i was not aware of that uh, nor was i i was aware of the coffee shop chain amt which yes. people sometimes bring our attention yeah, to yeah we're aware of it because it's in all the big stations in london yeah tom says i propose that you each have some no and record the podcast <laughs> so you can be doing AMT whilst doing AMT. Amazing. Because nothing is more entertaining than drugged people <laughs> recording their thoughts. Well, you say that, but Ziggy Stardust is still a very popular album, Martin. AMT stands for Alpha Methyl Tryptamine, and it was uh, originally studied in the 1960s and antidepressant. Wow, so it's been around for a while then. Yeah. I'm not sure the idea of us recording a podcast high on drugs is a good high idea. High on antidepressants. No. <laughs> see it working. Although I've read some AMT FAQs, uh, and they say that you can have a lot of fun looking into mirrors when you're on AMT. Actually, that is a thing that I never enjoy. No, because so. well, sometimes your narcissism just doesn't... That's where it all breaks yeah. down when I actually see myself. <laughs> <laughs> if, listeners, you are going to try AMT, and I'm not suggesting that you do. That's right. Uh, Just to be clear. Apparently you should avoid Chianti wine and vermouth and drambui and banana peel and soy and liver and sauerkraut and marmite. Why? But banana peel and liver is my favourite munchies. <laughs> that on a Mars bar. <laughs> I would go as far as say don't do it because it, based on the Wikipedia page, it seems to be pretty close to MDMA, which is a class A drug. Yeah. I think what we're all saying is go and get a joint and watch Alien. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying stay straight, stay in school. Um, anyway. Like Ian Mackay of this podcast. Uh, we don't need highs, legal or otherwise, uh, to make us happy. All we need no. is an inbox full of your emails and a Skype box full of your Skypes. Is that it? Yeah. Will that make me happy? That will. When is it going to kick in? Next Thursday, of course, Helen, when we return with another episode of Answer Me This, full of those questions. This is the dawning of the age of <laughs> <laughs> And you can find all of our contact details on our website, answermethispodcast.com, man, where you can also click through to download our Jubilee album for only £2.49. That's one hour of all new material. For those of you that haven't got it yet, please do. Thank you very much. Yeah, don't waste all your money on these illegal drugs. No, just buy loads of copies of our Jubilee album that really will make us happy <laughs> um, and then we can spend it all on dogs <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week bye, bye.